the Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's T. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Just a couple days removed from Christmas Eve as we record this here on Thursday night before the Bucks take on the Orlando Magic uh, at Pfizer Forum. Uh, and, you know, normally we do a post game, so forth. Marzion's got stuff going on. To be quite honest, I don't feel well. Uh, so to get this done earlier means I can go to bed earlier. So I'm all about that. Uh, Nathan Marzion, uh, your thoughts on how uh, the Bucks, I guess, have looked a little bit here. I went to the game Tuesday night. So we talked about that in the last Green and Growing podcast. Of course, no weapon Yama. That basketball team sucks. I mean, like, it, it's one of the worst basketball teams I think I've seen on a court. And I give Popovich a lot of credit because he could very well just sit there and let them play. And he was standing and coaching and teaching and that whole deal, the entire game, even though it was over in the first, I don't know, six, seven minutes of that game, they were up by like 10, 15, and it was pretty much done at that point. Um, but Popovich kept coaching them and kept trying to try to get the best out of those guys. You give Popovich a lot of credit for that because, again, this team is going nowhere other than the draft lottery and, and trying to find somebody with Webinyama. But this Bucks team, like we talked about with the Pistons, where they came out playing hard, uh, even though the Pistons were on that losing streak, they came out playing hard again here against San Antonio. Uh, and it never looked like they were going through the motions because they were playing a bad team without Webb and Yama. They attacked. They played well. Lillard again from outside, feeling it uh, again in, in that game. Giannis a triple-double, didn't score a ton, but did other things. Bobby Portis plays well again uh, for the Bucks. So a lot of positives to take out of that game, Nathan. Yeah, for sure. And it's been a few games in a row now of, okay, they kind of controlled these teams. Now, two of the three games were against, you know, the two – worst teams in the league. Yes. Right. But you, you took care of business. You didn't play with your food. You didn't let them, you know, hang around too much. And it was like, okay, like they controlled these games. They got on them from the jump. Dame has started very hot the last three games. I think he's had like 12 plus or 15 plus in the first quarter in each of the last three games, which is, you know, awesome. And so to see him start in, you know, we know he's playing the whole first quarter now and that's how he's been doing it for about a month is he's, he plays the whole first and the whole third. And you know, again, in the first quarters recently, he's been awesome and just kind of getting his groove back. You can tell he's really starting to become Damian Lillard again. Um, and I mean, really, it's it's been going on for quite a bit now. I mean, again, over the last month, just over a month, he's averaging 28 points, eight assists, 47% from the field, 42% from three, 91% from the line. Like those are elite Damian Lillard numbers. I don't expect him to average, you know, 30 plus too much just because, again, he's playing with Giannis now, but to be averaging close to 30, the three-point shot is back, and he just looks awesome. So um, been very happy with him. And Chris is coming back. Just that offense overall just has been lights out. Like, it's been so, so good. They are just clicking, and they're hitting shots, and it seems like the Damianis thing is working better. They're just they're hitting their groove, and um, they're now averaging 134 points per game in the, the month of December, which it's now December 21st. So – that's three weeks of averaging 134 points a game, which is nuts. And, and again, going, you know, the last month, 129 points a game, like really since that, since that magic game where they lost on the road and they were at that point, uh, five and four. And I think Lillard, I don't think Lillard played in that game either. No, he didn't, but that was kind of the low, not the low point, but one of the low points of the, you know, early in the season where people were really freaking out and people were worried and they were like, what is up with this team? Cause they were five and four and it just was pretty ugly. And, you know, since then they're number one in offensive rating, they're number 12 in defensive rating, they're number three in net rating, they're 15 and three. They have been rolling since that game. And I just think this is going to get better and better. Now there's going to be games. They, 
they struggle. There's going to be games they go cold and all of a sudden, you know, the offense doesn't look this good and they're not putting up 130 or the defense sucks or whatever. Like there's going to be games, but it's just a matter of, you know, how do they look on a pretty consistent basis? You know, because before it seemed like they were pretty consistently, you know, good offensively, but not elite and bad defensively. Now it seems like they're elite offensively consistently and, you know, closer to average defensively. We'll see what happens as they play some of these better teams, obviously, but it's just, it's good to see them really um, humming and, and, and taking care of business. Cause even against bad teams earlier, it wasn't like they were beating up on the bad teams. Like they were struggling with the bad teams. They were, you know, in close games against the wizards and against, you know, the, the depleted bulls and losing to the depleted bulls. And so it's just good to see them really, you know, stepping on some of these teams and, and not, you know, looking like an elite team again. Let's talk a, a little bit about not, not only this, this Bucks team and kind of where they're at right now, but Malik Beasley comes back into that starting lineup. Did you notice a change in how they played with a starting five versus having Andre Jackson in there? Like everybody wants Andre Jackson in there as a starting five. Could you tell any difference? Not a ton. I mean, neither of them had the ball a ton on the offensive end. And it, again, it was more Dame in the first quarter to kind of taken over at, to start. Um, they don't really run the offense a ton differently with, with Malik Beasley out there compared to Andre Jackson. Now, obviously I think the spacing is different and I think, you know, Malik Beasley just commands more attention on the outside. Now, Andre Jackson hitting, is hitting his shots still, which is, you know, it's amazing. I don't know how it's, ha- I, if you told me what is his three point percentage would be, you know, and he's, I don't know how many he shot, but he's, I think he shot about 20. And it's like, if you told me, okay, he's going to have 20 attempts on December 21st, what do you think his percentage will be? I would have put a ton of money that it was below 30%. And it's at 40, it's 47%. And so just, I mean, it's unbelievable, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if it'll keep up. And if it does, that's awesome. But I just, I, I'm still kind of waiting for it to, to, you know, him to kind of hit that wall. And all of a sudden he has a stretch where he's like one for 13, one for 15, and it comes back down to earth here. But um, I, I didn't notice much differently. You know, again, they started well in, in both games. I said, I think we talked about this last time, but I think Andre Jackson is best off the bench where the defense has been hurting more, you know, the, the offense, the start or the, the starting lineup with Beasley has been fine defensively. Like they've been pretty good defensively. When you look at their defensive rating, when you look at just overall their minutes this season, they have been good um, on both ends of the court. So I don't necessarily think right now, now we'll see, you know, again, I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't mind them testing stuff out. I don't mind them changing stuff at some point. I'm not saying the, Oh, we have to stick with Beasley the entire rest of the season, but for right now, I'm like, it's working. They're really playing well together. I don't think they need a ton of help on the defensive end right now with that starting lineup. Um, so it's like, play it out, see what's happening. But I, I'd rather have Andre Jackson coming off the bench where, you know, you've had those campaign Bobby Portis lineups that have been really bad defensively. And you can put him in there to help with those rather than putting him in the starting lineup where the defense has already been solid. So let's talk about the guy that hasn't played because he's been hurt and he's coming back next month by all indications. And that's Jay Crowder. And that's going to be a guy that's going to come off of the bench. So how does he fit into this and whose minutes get are costed essentially by Jay Crowder coming back at some point next month? Because you would have to assume once he's back and healthy, maybe not immediately, maybe they'll have him on a pitch count or whatever. But at some point here, you would assume he's going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes a night, I would think, uh, as they head to the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a combination. I, I don't know if it'll be like, oh, this one person, Jay Carter's getting all of his minutes. I think 
Marjan will play a little bit less. You know, Pat will play a little bit less. Beasley will play a little bit less just because they'll probably, you know, before they were going with Crowder at the closing lineup. So I think putting Crowder at the closing lineup, you know, instead of Beasley will just reduce Beasley's minutes a little bit more. And, you know, and again, there, there'll be times where, okay, maybe Brooke is in a matchup where he can't, he's not really playing well or he can't play in this matchup. So you go Crowder and Beasley, or you go Crowder and Marjan, whoever. But, um, they, you know, they got the options. But I just think most of the time it would probably be Crowder in for Beasley in that scenario. So it'll be multiple guys. It'll be, you know, and, and they're going to, at least I want to see them give all these guys minutes. You know, it's the regular season. You don't have to have all your rotations nailed down right now. Give them minutes so that you can nail down your rotation later. You see what what you have in everyone. That was one of the knocks on Bud is like guys like Andre Jackson or, or Marjan Bochamp, he wouldn't give them many minutes at all. And then you're sitting there going, well, you know, you're never going to play them in the playoffs, obviously, because you don't even, you didn't even give them a chance in the regular season. So you don't even know what you have. At least now you know what you, you, you know, you see what you're getting in Andre Jackson. You can play him a little bit more, see if his shot continues to, to look good, see if his defense continues to look good. Um, Marjan, see if he can get into a groove consistently. Pat, Jay Crowder, all those guys. Like you, you just got to play them a lot in the regular season or play them, you know, kind of as much as you can and see what you have in them so that you can make better decisions later and you know what you have in all these guys and you know who you want, who you might, you know, need to get in a trade and blah, blah, blah. It's like it can't hurt to play these guys. All right, take a quick time out. Uh, on the other side, something we were going to get to uh, last podcast, never did. And that's Chris Middleton's role kind of for this team in clutch situations uh, at the end of games and have whatever you want to determine as clutch in your mind as a Bucks fan, uh, his role in it. In fact, Giannis just talked about Middleton and his role within this team uh, the other day. I read some quotes from Giannis about Middleton. So we'll do that coming up next. Don't forget, download Green and Growing on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast at check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Like, subscribe, hit that bell to get your notifications, do all that fun stuff, and we'll be back after this. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, The Fan, along with my guy Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, this Bucks basketball team in closing situations, end-of-game situations, and I, I'm going to start. Listen, um, I, I understand that everybody's going to – well, not everybody, but people are going to say, well, it doesn't have to be Lillard with the ball in his hands uh, at the end of games. I disagree. Yes, I want Lillard to have the ball in his hands at end-of-game situations five out of five times. With all due respect to Giannis and Milton everybody else, let Lillard create and dish it to whoever is open at that point or let him take his own shot and be that guy. He is your best clutch player. He's shown it over the course of his career. Has cash money shown that he can be clutch too? Absolutely he has, but he's not Damian Lillard. Um, And that's where this kind of changes at the end of the day. I'm not saying Milton can't take a shot. All I'm saying is, is Milton or Little Lillard is going to be the one that initiates the offense. So if they're going to want to pick and roll with him and Middleton, fine. But Lillard initiates the offense. I don't want Lillard sitting in a corner waiting for Middleton to do something and waiting for the pass. I'd prefer not to do that. I'd prefer to have Lillard be the guy that operates, uh, you know, with the ball in hand and let him make the decision of where the ball goes uh, at that point. What say you, Nathan Marzian? Yeah, obviously, I want Lillard to be the main guy doing that, initiating the offense. Now, I'm not saying that he has to do it five out of five times and has to be every time. I am more, and we've talked about this several times, but I'm more of the, you know, I'm fine with Chris taking some possessions. I'm fine with, if they want to use Dame a little bit more off ball, and it seems like they do. It seems like it's a, a strategy to, like, 
you know, okay, let's let Chris take some possessions to it's harder to generate a defense against a guy when they're off ball compared to when they're on ball. You know, when they're on ball, it's like, okay, you can kind of quickly get it out of their hands. Whereas if you have Chris bring it up and Dame's off the ball, it's a little bit easier to like get the defense off balance and then get it to Dame and have him get better looks and keep, you know, have the ball in his hands later in the possession. Same with Giannis. It's like, let me ask you a question real quick. Do you think they're putting Milton in these situations because Griffin thought it was a good idea in the off season? Or do you think they're doing this because Milton asked to be put more in this situation um, throughout certain points of the game? I don't think there's a single chance that Chris was like advocating for giving him the ball. I think, I think it's just, it could be a combination of all of them like agreeing to this and saying, Hey, you know, let's try this out. Dame, you know, and it might be Dame saying, I want to be a little bit more off ball. He seems to like being off ball a little bit. Like it's not, it doesn't seem like this is Chris Middleton taking possessions and Dame's upset about it. It's like they are, they have some type of plan that like, you know, get it to Chris and Dame, like they, they, they're trying to get the ball to Dame. It's not like they're ignoring Dame. They just are doing it later in the possession rather than giving it to Dame to start. Now, again, I'm not saying I always agree with that. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it all the time, but I get why they do it sometimes. I get why they want to change it up a little bit sometimes and not just do, you know, Dame, you take the ball up and then they're going to just get it out of his hands right away. It's like, you know, again, bring, get use Giannis and Dame both off ball where they're, you know, it's harder to generate a defense against them and you can get them the ball later in the possession rather than, them having to pass the ball right away and then someone else has the ball. It's like, and again, it's the same with what Giannis used to have where he would always be the one bringing the ball up and, you know, he can, he can be a playmaker. He can bring the ball up. Like he can do that, but it was like, that's not the best way to use him. You know, the best way to take advantage of his scoring is to use him off ball where you can't generate a defense to just make him get rid of the ball right away. Like they just would build a wall and all of a sudden, okay, Giannis can't do anything. Boom. I, I gotta, I gotta get rid of it. And someone else is then having to make a play. And it's like, no, like start with someone else, get Giannis the ball later in a more advantageous position, and then he can go to work. And that might be a little bit of what they're doing with Dame. Now, again, they're obviously different players. I know Dame, you're not going to build a wall against him. It's not the same type of defense, but they would easily trap him. They'd easily double him if he brought the ball up. Um, and I think the Bucks are just trying to have a little bit of a counter for that. And like, instead of just doing the same thing over and over again, let's have some variety. Let's, you know, and and... People hate on Chris as a ball handler. I get he has some ugly, ugly turnovers. I get he's not the most reliable ball handler, and Dame is a much more reliable ball handler. But Chris can handle the ball. Like this isn't some guy that, he, like he he's never been a playmaker in his life, and he's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. Like Chris can playmate. Chris is a fit five, six assist a game guy who did this all throughout the twenty twenty one playoff run down the stretch of games. It was him bringing the ball up. It was Giannis off the ball. Like I just don't understand the complete hatred of like, why is Chris Middleton ever taking the ball up? And it's like, he can do it a few times. Like he, he, Chris can handle the ball. And again, I'm, I'm not saying he's never going to have turnovers and he's never going to make dumb mistakes, but like he can handle the ball. I mean, it's okay. He's a good ball handler. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, as far as him being a good ball handler, sometimes, I mean, sometimes he makes that pass and everybody scratches their heads like, dude, why? Like, well, like, I want to ask you. But Lillard does like, the exact same damn thing. Yeah. I want to ask though, like overall, Chris is a good ball handler. I'm not, that doesn't mean he can't have really ugly moments, but the, I don't think he's consistently turning the ball over. I don't think he's consistently making a ton of mistakes. It's just that when he does, yeah, they're pretty ugly when he does, like he'll have a couple times a game where it's just, he loses the ball, whatever. But like if he handled the ball, you know, 50 times and the ball gets taken three or four times, it's like, 
that doesn't mean he's a terrible ball handler. That means, okay, he, he got the ball taken a few times. He had some ugly turnovers, but like he can still handle the ball most of the time. When you look at the grand scheme of things, like I trust him on 80% of possessions that he's going to, you know, make a nice play or make a good read or get the ball to Giannis or Dame and, and make a play. It's like, there's going to be a times where he turns the ball over. It doesn't make him a bad ball handler. Let me, let me ask you this. We talk about Middleton um, in that situation at the end of games. And I've said, I want Lillard, but as of right now, as we sit here in December coming up on Christmas, he definitely has better chemistry with the other guys, right? You're seeing him throw the ball towards rim for Brooke Lopez, throw the ball towards rim for Giannis anticipation passes where we see that from Middleton, not as much with Damian Lillard as he's still trying to figure out, you know, these guys and, and how to play with these guys. So I think right now, Middleton probably is working better uh, in some of these situations because of the chemistry that he has. The question is whether or not, once we get towards the end of the year, will Lillard be able to have that same type of chemistry with his teammates? Yeah, I know. I mean, I agree, but I see it progressing. I see it getting better. Um, with you know Damon Chris, with Damon Giannis, with whoever, and Dame's had kind of good pick and roll with Brooke all season. Like that's been kind yep. of a thing they can go to, which is nice. But you know, I obviously Chris has really good chemistry with Giannis better than he does with like Dame, and you know that helps. But it's just it's something that's a, a prog. It's a work in progress, and it, again, I see it getting better. I see Chris making you know the extra pass to Dame, Giannis making the extra pass to Dame a little bit more than they did at the start of the season, where like they realize, oh yeah, we have Damian Lillard on our team. Like instead of that being Grayson Allen or whoever, that's Damian Lillard. Like I can give him the ball. So um, that type of stuff I'm seeing more. Um, and, and yeah, just again, figuring out how they all fit together, how, they, how they're all going to make this work, the dynamics of the whole thing and who they want to go to late. It's going to take some time and, and it's getting better. It's been still fine. Like the results have been good. They're still the second right now, best clutch team in the league. So um, it's not like they've been bad in the clutch or anything. But I think they're also just some of this too. Like I, I don't know that what they're doing all the time is what they plan on doing the rest of the season. Like just because sure. they're going to Chris doesn't mean they have this set plan of we're going to Chris in the clutch. Like they might just say, "Hey, let's try this out for a little bit. Like let's do a couple of weeks of like let's try to go Chris ball handler in the clutch. See how that works. See how you guys like that. And that way you have some experience with it. Like if Chris is handling the ball late in the playoffs, you're not like. Oh crap! You know we we didn't do this. This we always have just been programmed to get it to Dame, get it to Dame, get it to Dame. It's right. like have some reps doing other stuff. Now you know again, I think everyone kind of agrees, and I'm sure the Bucks will end up doing this. That eighty percent of possessions in the clutch, like you want to get it to Dame, you want to at least you know, and it's like just focus on getting it to Dame mainly. But it doesn't have to be the only thing that they do, and to have some experience doing other things, it can only be beneficial. So. Um, I think we have to just also look at it that way of, you know, they, they might just be trying some stuff out. All right. Take a quick time out on the other side. I want to come back and talk about this race for MVP. A lot of Joel Embiid love going on right now. Does Giannis have a real chance at winning another MVP this year? Or do we think this is uh, already put away regardless of what happens with Giannis? Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next here on Green and Growing. Steve Sparky Fiverr. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Follow Nathan Marzian at Nathan Marzian. Uh, and we will not talk about the latest Marquette loss. We will not bring that up in this podcast because it doesn't serve any purpose of keeping Nathan Marzian's head in the game. So we will not bring that up. Back after this. Hey, 
Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, The Fan, uh, along with Nathan Marzian at Nathan Marzian on Twitter. It is green and growing, uh, another fine, fine addition. We're going to talk about the MVP race, the NBA MVP race, as far as does Giannis still have a chance at this thing? Now, this sounds stupid because it's December. So you're like, what are you talking about? There's a long way to go. It's true. But Embiid is playing at such a high level right now. Uh, there is no hard to take shots from him. Maxie's getting shots, but not enough to kind of hurt him. In my opinion, he's got a much better coach uh, now than he did before. Uh, and Nick Nurse that's putting him in better situations than, say, Doc. Uh, so I like what they've done with MB to this point. Uh, and if you go to NBA.com, they have this uh, MVP ladder, whatever the case may be. Embiid is one. He's averaging almost 34 points a game, 11 and a half rebounds, six and a half assists. Uh, on Wednesday night, he had a 41-point double-double, uh, uh, scoring 19 of those 41 points in the opening frame. It didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Jokic is second, averaging 27 uh, and 12 and a half rebounds and nine assists per game. And then Giannis, who was at five, has now moved up to three on this MVP ladder on NBA.com. He's averaging 32, just short of 11 rebounds and only five assists per game to this point, which I shouldn't say only. That's still pretty good for a big guy like Giannis to average five. I personally just have this feeling that Giannis isn't winning this thing. I mean, unless Embiid or Jokic get hurt, I don't see how he wins this because Lillard is going to consistently put up around 30 points a night, 25 to 30 points a night. You're not going to get that from Jamal Murray. Probably not going to get that from Maxie. Um, so because of that, he's he's not going to be viewed probably the same way as he was when it was Middleton and Holiday with him. Now that he's got a true superstar with him in Damian Lillard. So I, I would say he's not winning it. And this race is probably already done regardless uh, of what he does going forward. Even though, again, we're just coming up on Christmas here in December. Nathan Marzian, I ask you, does Giannis have a real chance, in your opinion, at NBA MVP? He definitely, he definitely has a real chance. Now, if it's ending today, you know, it's Embiid. Embiid's number one right now. But I think for sure if the Bucks are one or two in the East and Giannis is putting up, you know, f- over 30 a game, 11 rebounds, five, six assists, and sh- his efficiency is as good as it has been. I mean, that's the one thing is he's shooting 61% from the field, which typically he's around 55. And so that's shot up to 61 Um there's definitely a case for him to be the MVP, you know, and it would take Embiid, you know, falling off a little bit, his stats not being quite as good, and maybe the Sixers being the the four seed or something for him to fall a little bit out of the race. Um, and I, I mean, I get annoyed because it's like we kind of all told ourselves in the playoffs, like, okay, don't give Embiid the MVP again because, like, we know he's good in the regular season, but he's got to show it in the playoffs and sure. we get into the regular, we get into the regular season and everyone just kind of forgets that. And it's like, Oh, give him be the MVP. Like I'm not saying he's not deserving of it. It's a regular season award, all that stuff. But we've seen with other players, we've seen with Giannis and Jokic, they win one, they win two and they, they fail in the playoffs a couple of times in a row. And it's like, we can't give them the MVP again. And then they just are disregarded from the conversation the next year. And it's like, we're not really doing that with Embiid. We're not really, like it just all of a sudden goes back to no he he's the MVP look at his numbers blah 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 and it's like the dude was putting up monster numbers last year the dude was having these games where you know everyone was like he's unstoppable nobody's stopping him and it's like he gets to the playoffs and stinks it up and I'm just like I'm tired of you know I, I'm not saying that that will happen for sure again but before we give this guy more awards like let's let's make him prove it in the playoffs before we before we start doing that now again if he keeps up this level fine you know he's playing at a high enough level that it's like he can justify it. But if this comes down to 
you know, Giannis has super close stats to Embiid. His efficiency is better. He's on the better team. Um, then I'm like, why would they, you know, we should not be giving it to Embiid, the guy who hasn't proven anything in the playoffs yet, just because he has slightly better stats, if that's the case at the end of the year. So I definitely think Giannis has a chance. I think, you know, if the Bucks are keep rolling and like they are really, really humming at the end of the year and everything, I think um, as long as Giannis keeps putting up, you know, big performances, like he's going to have, he's going to have a chance. He's going to be in the top three as he always is. And he doesn't have that, uh, you know, voter fatigue against him as he has the last few years. So that's a good thing. And, um, you know, I think I just have, I, I think there's a chance. Let's talk about Giannis's assist numbers. He's trailing uh, in assist numbers to obviously Jokic, not even close. Uh, and Embiid has him by over an assist per game. What type of assist numbers do you think he's going to have by the end of the year? Right now he's averaging five. Can he get to seven? Is that possible? Do you think Giannis could get to seven assists by the end of the year? Because if he gets to seven assists and Embiid is still around six or so, uh, then he beats him there. Points could be close. Uh, we'll see about rebounds uh, and kind of where that leads to at this point. But maybe it's assists up to about seven or so. I think that really helps. Yeah, and with the updated numbers, I mean, Embiid only has them by 0.5 because they each played. Giannis had 16 assists the other night, and Embiid had three the other night. I mean, he, Embiid scored 50, so it wasn't like a right. knock on Embiid. But um, Embiid right now is averaging 5.9. Giannis is at 5.4 after those two games. And Giannis is, you know, since the first eight or so games where he was really kind of struggling to, you know, get acclimated into the offense and there were games where Dame was missing and his assist numbers were down, his turnover numbers were up, his scoring numbers and efficiency numbers weren't the same. But since that start, you know, he's at 6.3 assists per game. So like, I fully expect him to get back up to like six a game. I think that that's where he typically is and that's where he'll get back to. And he already is getting back to there. Um, but it's like, I mean, I just don't think he started out as well as, and that that's what typically happens with Giannis. It's like he has a week or two to start where his numbers are just a little bit worse. His numbers are a little bit down, but he always gets back up to his his averages. And I mean, we're already seeing that happen and I expect him to be back up to like 6.1 or 6.2 or whatever um, at the end of the year. How big of a deal is the standings at the end of the year? If the Bucs are the far and away number one seed at the end of the year, with Boston and Philadelphia behind them, does that help Giannis get over the hump and win it? Because right now Boston's the one, Bucks are two, Philly is the three. As we sit here today, recording this here on Thursday before Bucks and Magic. Yeah, the standings matter for sure. If Philly ends up one or something, or Philly ends up above Milwaukee, then yeah, like Embiid would probably get it above Giannis because we know Giannis has the better supporting cast talent wise. So it's like if the Sixers end up higher in the standings, okay, that's a you know a reason to give Embiid the MVP. If the Bucks are far better than the Sixers um, at the end of the year, then yeah, like that's a reason to not give Embiid the MVP and to give it to Giannis. And right now the Nuggets are a little bit behind. You know, they haven't been great. So that's a reason to not give it to Jokic. It's just like that stuff does definitely come into play. Like you're not going to – people don't like when the MVP is on the sixth seed or the five seed or like a team that really wasn't that dominant. It's like – no, like that's, you know, part of the reason we're giving it to you is because you are the most valuable. You're contributing to your team winning. So that is a so factor. So what about John Morant? What if they come back and make the playoffs because they're trash and John comes back and hits the game winner right off the bat? Because they were horrible without John Morant. And I, I don't know if anybody in Memphis thought they were going to be that bad without John Morant because they thought they had some good players around him like Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson and those guys that would be able to pick up the slack and and score. And that was simply was not the case at the end of the day. So if Memphis ends up, I don't know, 
they're way under 500 right now. So let's say they end up a top four seed uh, by the end of the day. Does John ja Morant somehow, after being suspended at the beginning of the year, end up getting the MVP? Um, no, I mean, I think that would be like that type of stuff is, I think you're putting too much weight on just like the record when they play and the record with them in, um, because we know Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, you know, again, this is assuming John Morant doesn't average 30 and 10 and five like they do. Um, if he does then, okay. Yeah. He would have a valid argument, but it's like, if he's going to average his typical 25, 27 or whatever he averages, like. No, he's not the MVP over guys averaging 32 and 12 and six. Um, he's just not. I don't. I don't care what the record is with him on or off. I think that that stuff, the record stuff, comes into play more when you have multiple guys putting up those numbers, and it's more of like a tiebreaker. It's more of a, you know, okay, like that's something that could differentiate these guys. Um, but I'm not gonna take a 25 point per game guy and say, well, look at their record when he plays. He's the MVP. Like, no, you know, these these guys are clearly playing better. And putting up bigger numbers, um, so I, they all of a sudden go into a league of their own, in my opinion. All right, let's wrap this bad boy up here. As we are ready for Bucks and Magic tonight, a shout out to uh, Bart Winkler, our morning host, uh, morning show host on uh, twelve fifty, uh, landed a, a national radio gig on CBS Sports Radio from nine p.m. to one a.m. Uh, on uh, CBS Sports Radio. Also, can be heard at twelve fifty a.m. That starts on January second. Uh, so, if you are a Bart Winkler uh, show fan, uh, then you will definitely want to hear that. Him being a national guy. Marzian, I've been around a long time because I'm really old. I, I don't know if I know another Milwaukee guy based in Milwaukee that's ever held a national radio position while living in Milwaukee. I, I don't think I can come up with one of a radio host here locally that ended up hosting a national show. Most of these guys are East Coast guys, West Coast guys, or from like Atlanta or Miami. That's normally what this ends up being. Never do I remember hearing uh, uh, again, a weekday, Monday through Friday guy being from Milwaukee. Like that to me, that is, that's pretty crazy where, you know, he's going to talk Packers. He's going to talk Brewers and Bucks from time to time, uh, on there. He'll probably get some interviews with some of those guys from those teams. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I saw that as well. So, um, you know, I've, I've interacted with him a few times on, on Twitter and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely really cool for him. Happy for him. And, uh, as you said, for, someone in Milwaukee in a, in a smaller market type of thing to, to be doing that is, is really cool. Yep. He is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter and Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky radio. It's another edition of green and growing downloaded on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at like subscribe, hit that bell on the Odyssey sports YouTube page to get the notifications when we are, are doing these things. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, one last thing, Marzian, are you, uh, are you buying stuff at this age for Christmas for people? Uh, or are you still in the free and clear, not really having to buy anything for anybody at this point? Um, I buy a few things like for my mom and dad and stuff, but nothing. Oh, nice. I mean, it's not nothing crazy. And I don't really ask for much. So it kind of evens out. Like, I feel like if I don't ask for much, then I don't have to buy much. Uh, you and, told me in the past, you don't ask for anything because you want playoff tickets. So you just rather just wait and get that playoff yeah, ticket. Yes. But that, I mean, there's a chance I get nothing. So I, and it's finals tickets. Like I wait for the finals. So I'm like, if they don't oh. make the finals, I'll get nothing, you know, and that's fine, which is a, there's an 80% chance they don't make the finals. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, I mean, I'll take the 80% chance at getting nothing, but if that 20% hits, I want tickets. That's awesome. He is Nathan Marzian. You can follow him on Twitter, Nathan Marzian. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good holidays over the weekend. We'll be back next week.